from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. Listening to live from the past, we're coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Hi, it's Mike. Yo, yo, welcome. This is uh, Mike, Ben, and Dan here at the uh, Life from the Past Studios. Uh, you know, you know what's funny? I've, I bet, like, I, I suppose during Secular Solomon it comes up, like the names are available. But other than that, you could listen to the show for probably six weeks at a time and not have picked up anybody's name. I have in no idea who we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a good thing. Here's what we got going on the show. Uh, this evening. So I was trying to figure out, we've talked with Dan. Well, there we go. See, I got the name given away. There it is. Um, on the way back from Zimbabwe before. And, uh, I was trying to think about like, cause he's, he's back and I think he's got some really cool stories. Um, but I was trying to figure out like, what is it? Is there, was there anything unique? Maybe here's what I want you to think about. Um, is there anything that felt different? Like was different? Um, anything like thematically you're seeing change over time. Cause you've been to Zimbabwe multiple times, right? You've right. Taking people there. Like, what are you seeing? What feels different? What, if, if you could have something that you've learned from there that feels encouraging to people who are in a, an American church context, what would it be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or, and anything that may have surprised you. So maybe those are things to think about. All right. Okay. So we'll come back to Dan and we'll hear about, uh, uh, surprises, lessons, and uh, changes in Zimbabwe from Dan. Uh, also, Mike, you had a question. You had a, I think this is a big question, but what, it was a, had to do with uh, Israel. Yeah, I think overall my question is, what the heck is even happening? And it's in my lifetime, uh, I have only heard about fighting over there, and I don't know why, but I've always heard that, like, whatever it is, we're pro-Israel. <laughs> <laughs> because Israel's mentioned in the in the Bible, <laughs> yeah, 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 and they're God's chosen people, and so like, uh, but I've never taken any amount of time to try to understand what is even happening over there, why uh, current conflict included. Um, so I I was just wondering if we give a give a high level view, maybe of of what's what has been going on there historically, um, maybe just a, a little bit about what's going on over there now, and then maybe a right size way to look at it. Okay, okay. I, I will uh, I'll take a shot at that. I think I will most certainly do I won't do it justice. The complication of that situation I think I won't do justice, but like the the warning before we have it the uh, the discussion will be um I, I think you can you can find a thread to pull um about about fifty or sixty storylines from there and, and have it sound about right if you select your facts well. Um and so I think you can demonize Groups. I think you can make people sound like angels. I think you can make things sound a lot less complicated than what they are. And so that would be my open introductory caution: um, is is things are think people are involved, land is involved, religion is involved, politics is involved. Um, this this is it's not simple. And so um, anything that seems super simple to you, even if you feel like, well, the Bible talks to me about this, and so it's going to be real simple, my encouragement to you is it's not. Have you have you read, like, any news stories that you felt, uh, like, got it right or hit it with a fairly unbiased approach? Because um, politically, like, the United States and Israel have a, have a, a fairly strong tie. 
They do. Conflict with Israel creates very strange bedfellows, even in American politics. Um, uh, because it is, in some ways, is it, it feels like a conservative cause because you have a Democratic, uh, or mostly so, um, p- trade partner and a partner in the region. And then, um, but you also have, in the United States, is, is a lot of um, more liberal folks would look at, at Jews as a, um, as a, a, a demographic, like, uh, or a minority um, that needs otherwise protected. And so, like, um, it's, there's actually some commonality for the most part, between how, how America sees its relationship with either Jewish people or with Israel. Um, but then again, well, okay, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit a little bit later once we right. tackle that one. All right. Okay. All right. So, Dan, I've given you approximately uh, 98 seconds uh, to think through this. So, um, if I, key points were Dan's in Zimbabwe with, his, with the uh, folks from his church and others. Um, and Dan, but you also have you also have a role um, uh, trying to help uh, here in the United States with uh, fundraising and spreading information about work that's being done in Zimbabwe as well, right? Right, right. I, I serve as director of development for the Shredzi Christian Children's Village, which is an orphanage. There. Okay, yeah. And then when we go there, <clears throat> I work mostly with the churches or starting new churches. And we do revivals, and we go into schools and do uh, teaching, vacation Bible school type things. And we did that again this year. And and I, I, boy, the, the stuff you read, like like Barna sa- says that that half of all Christians on the globe are going to be in Africa in just a few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's just like right around the corner. There's there's something happening there, and it's one thing to read about it and hear about it and 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 hear the stories. It's another thing to just go out there and 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 now I'm I'm seeing it more than I have in the previous years, and I, I don't know if it's just because I'm aware, or we're just in the middle of it. I, I mean, there were times uh, that was just last week. There there were times I, I felt like I was like walking through the Book of Acts. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you know the way people are responding to the gospel, the the way uh, people are 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 wanting to learn and, and and they're wanting to to become disciples of Jesus, and 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 we're there. Obviously, we're short term. But we we attract a crowd because we're Americans, and so they want to see like you know all the stuff like who, yep. who are these people, and what do they have to say, and, and and so then but we always are working in conjunction with a church, so we connect them with a church and with a pastor, and and we we just the churches thrive after we leave because they have a whole influx of people and they're learning and growing and 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 bringing their friends and, and it just starts spreading like mm-hmm. like weeds, and it's just so it's just been so neat. Uh, we started out at a at a, a a high school, brand new high school. It's one, 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 Hippo Valley Christian Mission is is the umbrella that that of of ministry that that were the orphanage, and they have twenty school, twenty eight schools. There's over twenty thousand students in the schools, uh, churches all over the place. So so I kind of I just plug myself into that and yep. that. So it's already working, and, and it's a brand new school called Living Proof High School, and we went to that and and. We're the first group who's ever gone there. It's open in January, so it's like it's like new, you know. And and the people were just I, I don't know. In the back of my head, I thought, well, surely these people already know Jesus, right? I mean, yeah. they, you know, it's, but they don't. They don't. I mean, there's obviously <laughs> some that do, but yeah. And, and we're, we're talking and we're teaching and 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 preaching and doing the whole thing, and and they, and they they're just like, you know eagerly coming to jesus like yes yes we want to be like they're not like oh let me think about it let me <laughs> let, let me call my mom and, and see you know it's like no we want this now right 
And, and, and so we have a whole group going out to be baptized before we leave. And like we're, we're, it's about 200 yard walk from where we were and, and, and we're crawling through barbed wire fences. And, and, and these, some of these gals have their Sunday best on, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and we're like spreading the wires apart so no one gets cut. And then you get into the field and it's where the cows are. So there's manure all over the place. And there's some kids over there playing soccer with a dried out, you know, uh, cow manure. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't you just don't see this in the States a lot. <clears throat> and there's this rickety old little uh, wooden uh, ladder that goes up into the cement. Uh, what, what's that thing called? Like a trough. Like a cistern very, or something like that? What's that? Like a like a cistern looking I thing? I guess like cistern, a big, yeah. Okay. Being very round, very round, very big. You could probably you, if you you could probably stuff fifty people in there if you like you've got everybody in there. Okay, yep. But uh, so so I crawl in there and 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 it's it's all you know it's got algae and slimy and and, and everything. And, and then another preacher, which were three three of us preachers were in there, and all these people start coming in and we're just baptizing left and right, and they're coming and going and and, and it's just, I'm just going like wow. I mean this this just it's just a feel. Of when I read through Acts, to, to like, it's, I, I just kind of pinch myself, like, how am I part of this? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm like American pastor guy. You, you know, I'm, yep. I, where you, you walk around with people with their hands in their pockets and looking grumpy, and like, oh, I guess I came to church today. I, <laughs> I could have watched the game. I hope you don't preach too long. You know, uh, and it's just a whole different ball game. Yeah, and, and everywhere we go is kind of we're getting the same the same response. People are coming to Christ, and 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 and. Uh, there was this woman who brought her her children to this brand new church we were at, and and then she, they brought their children. So she had like kids and grandkids and like truckload, literally truckloads of children that we were pouring into this place. And and she's just streaming in tears. But at the end, her two older like teenage daughters accepted Christ, and and she's like, "We'll be back." And and uh, that was a week ago. I heard this week that they were back with more friends. Uh, and it's just exciting. It's, it really is really cool to see uh, how God's spirit is moving there. And it's a, it's very humbling to be a, even a part of it, to be, yeah. you know, to, to witness it firsthand. Uh, it's just cool. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's interesting. There was, there was, you were telling before the show that uh, somebody was, was teaching and they said, hey, hey, do you want to be born again? And like people are responding. Yeah, they're like, yeah, raise their hand. You're like, yeah, I'd like to be born again. And then you think you think to yourself, you, you go in any, any place in America, I don't care if you're in a church full, like people who claim to, to know and love Jesus or people who desperately need Jesus, you ask this question and like you're lucky if people even understand halfway what you're saying. Yeah. And like there has to be some sort of, I don't, I don't know, I don't mean like language like total barrier sure. but like we're like the concept of being born again is not a like we, we we're trying to dissect it 10 levels up they're like i get a fresh kick at this thing under a whoever this jesus is yes yeah like, i definitely want it there's a humility as a people that is there mm-hmm. like it's 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 there's a cultural humility that that could even embrace a concept like that and i guess i hadn't even thought about that until it just came out of my mouth is that like how the hesitance maybe in our space in like a Western Christian space is just simply like we're super guarded. Um, yeah. I think we, we, we don't recognize uh, we're, we're worried about being fooled also. I mean, there's, there's, there's probably a value in that. Um, but like, there's also probably just an underlying lack of humility. We're like, well, you know, I, yeah, I mean, but to be completely bored again, I mean, I could use some help. But like, <laughs> like I got this for the most part. And there's a whole yeah. bootstraps mentality where like we just don't want to admit a failure or that like well I, we actually have a t- 
total dependence on whatever this is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I, I just, um, it's weird that you, the way that you're talking about this, because I was, I was thinking on the drive in um, about how much of my, not just everyday life, but probably trajectory of life is, is, is kind of just boxed in by how our society functions. Um, and, and I was contemplating what it looks like to say, look, it could be, it could, it could be completely different. I've been working at the same job for 20, over 20 years. We'll just say that. Um, and so I thought that like, I've, I've been going to work for this same company, you know, every Tuesday and every Wednesday and every Thursday. And like, like this Thursday, it could just be different. I could never go in there again. Mm-hmm. I could do something like it, it could be something completely different. And I could be meeting and running into people that are completely different people that I ever talked to. And I'm not advocating that like you just dump all the <laughs> stuff in your life. But like how many of us have in our mind that like it's even possible to be some for something to be so, like different, even yeah. not not just radically different, but just even marginally different. But to be able to be in a people that you've never met before, so a visiting church or group of people, and to hear a message and and recognize that this changes everything about your life, your mm-hmm. fealties and like how other people may interact with you, how your government may see you, what you do with your day to day, how many wives you get to have, like all this stuff. Yeah. And they're embrace. I mean, they're all they're embracing it. Not everybody, but like like right, right. certainly a in percentage a, for sure. And but yeah. but certainly in something that would like I would feel like feels unheard of. In the United States. Yeah, yeah. There's just this sense, like, like there's just a, a God sense. Like, I, I came with, I don't know, four sermons ready to go because I have different places I could just repeat them, you know. Mm-hmm. And the night before I preached the first one, um, I, I, like, it's like God woke me up and said, tell the, tell the brother, tell, tell the story of your brother. I'm oh. like, what? Like, like, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, you get one of those senses. You knew it, yeah. And so I'm just kind of working it through in my head. And, and I thought, I, I, I have to... Kind of have my I have my notes because if I don't have notes I don't know where I'm going to go I can like, go really long or yeah. I can go all over the place you uh-huh. know so I just I have my notes and when I woke up and I got ready to preach I had like five different potential endings and I didn't know which way it was going to go and, <laughs> and 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 it all had worked it out through the night before and and I told the, the story that that we were supposed to be there in July and and because of political unrest they pushed us off till October. They were shutting down the churches. This government was nobody can get together and meet because, you know, it's obviously you're talking about me, uh, the, uh, the King, you know, and, and, and so, okay, so we're in October. So I told them, I said, we were supposed to be here. We were really sad. We didn't make it. Um, but it turned out, uh, like two days before I would have left, I got a text from my brother that, uh, he was very sick mm-hmm. and I go through the story. He, he got cancer and he died all in, July. Mm-hmm. So, so I would have missed that. I would have been in, in, in Africa when that had happened. But I told them that, that when I was there, when the doctor told him there was nothing they could do. And I said, I, I, the doctor left, I had three questions for him. Uh, I said, we hadn't talked about this for a long time. And uh, just a brother, uh, I want to know, uh, do, you, do you believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? And he's like, well, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I said, oh, good, 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 good. Um, and, and I said, well, are you, are you living for him? And he said, well, I, I am now. <laughs> right. so, and I don't know when that began. <laughs> Maybe that moment. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and um, I don't know. I don't remember the third, uh, the third question. It was really big, but I, this, at this moment, it escapes me. But anyway, I, I told him that story. And then I said, I want to ask you the same question I asked my brother, you know, and 
Do you believe? You know, and they start, they start this, get this chant going of, mm-hmm. of, of Jesus, believing Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I'm like, this is really cool, you know. And we're, <laughs> right. and we're talking about Jesus, and and, and oh, I think I asked him if, they, if he had been baptized. Yeah, that's that was the third question, and he's like, yeah, I was okay because was, he was eight years older than me. I don't know what stuff he did, and yeah, it's okay. I just, just you know, it's good, good, good to cover all that. And, and so I asked that of those, those kids, uh, high school students. They were they were young adults. And uh, just the response from them was like, well, I want to do that. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Jesus. You know, it, yeah, it was just it was just so powerful. And it just time after time uh, we'd go to these uh, gatherings and and people like, like I said, they, they were just they're just responding. They just want they want Jesus in their life. And and we're connecting them with churches that are there and, and, and pastors that are there and mature Christians that can disciple them. They're not just, you know having a big rah rah and leaving it's, right. it's it's they're really connecting and being a, a part of these churches so i got god's doing something in africa he just is well that's exciting yeah. i find it i find it almost funny right like i go to the christian concerts you know and they always have the guy come out and yeah. then like put a kid on the screen and he's like this kid has to walk 2 miles for the water and he doesn't even have like any electricity in his home and then, like, they really let it sink in, you know? And the whole crowd instantly goes, oh, what? I, how could we live in a world this way, you know? Yeah. And then I think when you, when, when you flip it on its head, the truth of the matter is, they're not even jealous of the things that we have. They don't even think about it. No, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They spent no time going, if I could only be American. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the whole time, like, when we try to sell how to help other people, our only ploy is to make their life look like our life. They're like, yeah. if you could only get these things that distract you from the best of what God made into your own self-sufficiency and comfort, then you will truly know what it's like to be people of Jesus, <laughs> right? Like, right. that's our selling point. But, like, you, you go to places and say, hey, do you, do you want to start over? Do you want to be born again? Do you want to not have the weight of your broken following you around like a vestigial tail and they're like yes i don't care about that refrigerator i want that i want what you're i don't care about walking to the the well we do this all the time Mm -hmm. i grew up walking to wells this is not a problem to me at all and you want to like pipe things in here or like i don't know get us a solar panel i don't care about any of this right i talk to my grandmama when we go to the well this is our daily how we get to know each other thing you know and so like once again it just feels like I, you don't realize the blindness I think we walk in, right? I walk in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't realize the blindness that we walk in when we think that, like, if if people could experience the way God the way that we do here in America, then they'd see it. And, like, the truth is, if they could experience Jesus at all, they'd probably have us beat. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we're blinded by the fact that we got to keep the HVAC running, otherwise people won't show up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so what was, um, if you had a, like, what feels like a lesson or something that you learned from doing work or from the Zimbabwean church, um, that you feel like is important for, um, people kind of in a Western church context to, to understand or to know? You know, the, the simplicity uh, of their faith and uh, I don't mean like dumbed down. I mean, it's, it's, it's the simplicity like, like I need Jesus to sustain my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I may not eat next week, uh, but I got Jesus. That's all I care about. Yeah. And and the food comes, the food comes. We we overcomplicate everything, and 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 create shows. They'll they'll come up. They'll stand up and say, "We're going to sing one praise him and one worship him, 
and uh, then we'll do whatever. And that one praise him and one worship him lasts like 45 minutes. <laughs> and we're looking at you like, I think that was more than one. You know? <laughs> and, and Chris Tomlin's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, their, their faces are just beaming and, and they're, they're, they're so full of joy. And, and they, they don't know. Ah, they do too know. They know they're poor. But, I mean, I've got more money in my back pocket than they're going to make for the next three months probably. Um, and, and because, well, of course, we need it because we're going to be eating for the next couple of weeks. Right. But, so it's not like I'm just walking around. But um, they, they, it's just this pure joy of being uh, in Christ and with God's people that, that they, they, they live for Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. I... There's a part of me that, like, listen to you tell those stories, and I think to myself, like, how often have I sat in some sort of church service, and, like, I can't wait till this particular tune's over. And it's only three and a half minutes long. Right. Like, well, this is a bit snooze fest. I hope this one ends soon. (laughs) Like, I want it. Hey, man, I'm legit the worship guy. Yeah. I didn't say it was you. It's hard to take in. (laughs) I'm I'm generally playing in the worship band. Still. um, Like, I, I want it. And I, I wouldn't, I don't know how to get it. Yeah. Right. Like, like, and, 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 and maybe it's, there's just, um, because there's so, well, I will think it this way. Uh, <laughs> the more channels you get on the TV, the more you're still dissatisfied with all the options you got out there. That's true. So like, that's true. What, you're not mad at 13 channels anymore. You're mad at all 99. Right. Right. And like there, maybe there is a notion of what feels like you just gave We've created so many options because we want to try to, you know, it's it's not nefarious or anything. We're like, oh, well, maybe if someone likes the music, they'll stay and listen to something mm-hmm. that maybe I won't have their attention on. Like, we, I get it. But, like, you've almost conditioned me to be impatient until I get to the thing that I want or that I like. Um, whereas in absence of, you know, uh, of a humongous variety, people could just fire up a tune and be happy singing it for 45 minutes or take like i think prayer is the same way i just in my bones i want and i've i've like prayed about this like lord i want to be able to like in enjoy interacting with you in prayer Mm -hmm. for like long periods of time Mm -hmm. like i want it and i I can't i can't hold my attention i cannot i no matter how i think about it, i have a hard time disciplining myself and not having my mind wander and then like I, I can feel it that I'm doing this out of obedience and I don't think that's necessarily bad, but I do feel like I'm missing something yeah. in some of these things. And, and like, just to, to hit it more, whatever, I'm sure they're, they're not all perfect and loving. Christians, right. Yeah. But, but like their attitude, it's like at a base level, culturally, I feel like they're, they're, they're one up mm-hmm. on some of the barriers that we have that felt like um, positive luxuries, but like in effect have, have the impact of being a blindness at times. And maybe part of it too is is we've set this side this time aside to do something special, mm-hmm. like the old the old revivals we used to do in America. I mean, if you try to do a revival today, people will laugh at you. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but it's special to them because like we got special guests mm. that have come to speak. Uh, they're having a special time. They're coming together. So I don't. I maybe maybe next week it won't be like that for them. Oh sure, yeah. You, you know, but it was special because we're all there together. 
uh, I mentioned, you know, I was praying the night before and, and, and I felt like God woke me up and said, do this thing. I, I'm not a weepy person, but when I get there I'll, in the middle of the night, I'll just be weeping for the people of Africa yeah, and, and just say, God, just use me. I'm here right now. Use me, you know, for however, when they made this thing be a spark that spreads all through the continent, you know, yep. and I'll pray that for hours. And then uh-huh. I'm like, now I gotta, you know, I gotta preach now. It's like, I haven't slept yet, you know? <laughs> And, and, but, but this, I think it's because it's special. Yeah. Like I, I care just as passionately for the neighbor next to our church building here. Yeah. Uh, but I don't spend the evening weeping over her um, because she's always there. Yeah. Yeah. True. You know, uh, maybe I did when we first bought this building and I was, I was she was really on the radar. Oh, we really need, she need to tell, needs to know about Jesus. So, so maybe there's something about doing this special thing like this. Uh, yeah. periodically, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting thought because I think, you know, this is things that we've discussed on the show before is like we find there to be risks in things that are purely event-driven, but like maybe we've got the worst of it, to be honest. Maybe from an American perspective, like if every Sunday feels like an event, you not, you you lose the at least heightened time, it's a party. Like you lose the ability to call it a party because you're, you're a party every week. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't settle into a norm either. Like there's always, well, half the people here uh, are here because they're trying to serve or like they're already Christians. And then some of the most, a good chunk of this is postured for someone who just walked in the door because you don't want to lose them with all your stuff. And so like we almost, we almost have the worst of, of, of all of those things trying to be combined together because like nothing feels particularly special in that regard. Uh, even though we do things, I mean, we put on, you know, you put on nights where you sing together and you you try to do special things, but like, it just doesn't have the same sense of the energy that comes with God's people from a different cultural context that reminds you that God is still active and still king somewhere else in the world mm-hmm. and that he's blessing you with the ability to see it and celebrate it. Yeah. And I so think, I think we lack a lot of like, of an of an understanding of what freedom actually feels like, right? Like, if you were to take away, like, a lot of our, our structure, it wouldn't feel like freedom. It'd feel like we're constrained because we don't have the resources that we need to do it, you know? But, like, I, I think it really, it's, a, it's a, a skill, not a talent, to be able to operate at that level of freedom. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, where, where we can agree, we agree with everybody that you met last week that, like, there's freedom in Christ. We're not carrying around sin you know like we can we can walk as as sons and daughters of the king you know but then we put on our own weight concerning that freedom and then like you're just weighted in a shinier coat mm-hmm. you know it's just it's it maybe it glitters and and maybe it it smells a little bit like Jesus might have worn it sometime but like it's still like at it just feels like it's added weight like like to your guys's point do you think like when when a lot of churches will do this right like you get fired up and you're like we got to get back to the X church. We got to. This is what it was designed to be. But like, it was pretty fresh off when Jesus had had resurrected, right? So like, does it fall under an event? And like, we're like modern churches are chasing the wind. We'll never be able to recreate that. You know, mm. like it's not a fair measure. Maybe that's a better a better comment. Um. Uh, well, in some ways, I think that's true. Like Jesus did not just resurrect two years ago, right? And they're 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 fresh off that, but I think to Dan's experience, it does feel like um, there is a newness in like when you're first exposed to the reality 
of of who Jesus is and what he has done and what that means for you. Heck, man, I was actually thinking that same thing. I had a lot of thoughts going to my mind on the way in here today. Uh, is that like, I, I just, um, I feel like I'm losing it. I feel like I'm I'm trying to hold on to a, to the things that I know to be true, the facts that like I know who Jesus is, I know what he's done, but I'm not, that should make me feel alive and should make me feel like, uh, I should be more repentant than I am. Mm-hmm. I should be more joyful th- than I am. And and I, and I actually, I, that's one of the things I'm taking away from the conversation that we're having is that like, what is what is blocking? I don't, I don't know how to explain this very well. I'm not dissatisfied. I'm not, I'm not, I don't disbelieve, but like, where's, I, I should be more joyful about these realities, but now I accept them. I, I agree that they're true. And like and in America, like in our American church context, frankly, a lot of the, the the battles or engagement that we're in are trying to convince somebody that something is true. Um, and and there's a and we're rightfully protecting that your your feelings uh, cannot necessarily be trusted. But there is something about as I as I look about and go like uh, I, I was just thinking that I, I kind of stink. Like there's a common thread in my life where it feels like I am both. Uh, uh, I'm very self-centered. I feel like I'm very self. I'm, I'm self-focused. I don't. Um, I, I frankly just do what I want to do. I, I'm more not easily constrained. If I wanted to spend money on something, I'm going to do it. If I wanted to waste time, even if I'm supposed to be doing active work for somebody else, like I might just choose to do it. And like it's bad. It's bad. It's. It, I mean, the grand. I'm not going to jail for it, but like it's pervasive. I, I'm feeling it as a theme in my life. And like. Uh, but 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 and, and I know it's I know it's wrong and I know it's something that that needs to be rooted out. But like, I wish I feel worse about it. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I'm just trying to be honest about like, um, I want I I, I want to be the the people from the stories, Dan. I want yeah. I I like I want to feel it and go, boy, I just I can't wait another minute then to walk in a celebration of who Jesus is and to embrace repentance so doggone hard because I just can't wait for it. And like, uh, and it, it's a very weird tension to know internally, like in my mind that I totally believe these things. I I take a bullet for it this second, but to f- feel slightly disassociated from the feelings that I feel like are supposed to be along with them. Uh, I like, I want it back. I want yeah. it back. Yeah. It's basically like saying the thing like, you know, to be true has all this power, but when then you get to drive, like it feels like it just kind of goes mm-hmm. at idle, you know. And you're like, yeah. you hear of other people driving the same rig, and they're like bulldozing things, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? And then you're like, I be- I know it has the capability to bulldoze, right? But like when I get in, it just feels like it puts around. <laughs> I don't like what. Like the question is, is like uh, to, to bring the metaphor home. One, are we driving it wrong? You know. Or like, is there is there, is there a part where we're like the machine itself goes? You don't actually believe I can do this kind of power, uh, and so uh, I mean, you get sign of Jonah. I'm sorry. <laughs> or or and, and and I think well, maybe I'm just hoping. Maybe I'm hoping this is part of it. Is that like it's it's a distraction? You just you you drove the thing. You drove the bulldozer for so long that you're not impressed that it bulldozes. Uh-huh. But you should be. Yeah, right. Like you should be. It's routine. It's uh, normal. Well, to be yeah. fair, though, if it's bulldozing, you should see some knockdown trees in your path, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I think you could, if you want to try to level that conversation out, you can look behind you and look that there's evidence 
that you're driving this bulldozer, I think that there's I think there's a weight and measure to it. Mm. You know, like if if you see no trees down and no dirt moved and the things that idle, you might not be doing what you think you're doing. Right? If you can look behind you and be like, look, I I there's people behind me that know Jesus because because I told them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's a, there's there's an effect around me of of the way that the gospel has changed my life. Um not only in my own household but but like it's it's leaving my doors and heading out. Right? Then maybe you did just get used to the, you know, maybe you're yeah. an adrenaline junkie <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's going, look, you can't be doing this forever. You're going to have a heart attack. It's probably both. I feel like it's probably both and, and probably even a few other smattering of things that are likely true around yeah. that. But I just, I get, I like, I'm, I, I, I want, I long for the things, the experiences that people who are meeting Jesus knew and so openly and so humbly and like, we're not worried. Hey, like, hey, I'm in my Sunday best. Like, what does it matter? I'm going to meet. I'm going to go dunk. <laughs> I'm going to go dunking today. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it could be as simple as like a a, a prayer, a prayerfulness, and a, and a heart posture that goes like when you when you hit the day, you're like, show me something new today. Not just like help me to do better in the things that I'm doing, or like you know what I'm saying, or like I'm I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. But like seriously, like, hey, will you show me something new? About you, about me, about somebody around me, like the living and active Holy Spirit doing a thing and say, like, I'm asking for you to show me something new. And like, maybe it's just a, it's a skill that like we have to, now these people are filled with the Holy Spirit and nailing it, but like you are too, right? And maybe you've gotten used to the level that you were willing to accept the Holy Spirit boundaries in. And maybe he's trying to push past that boundary and go, I have more things. It gets, it gets even crazier from here. You sure? Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I think that, that that is a risk that we go, oh, yeah, that, like the Holy Spirit um, keeps marriages together that uh, should otherwise break apart. Okay, I've seen that. I'm good. Uh, and Lord's like, you remember, I remember we were going over this in Matthew recently, and, and Jesus is talking about, like, I heal the sick, I raise the dead, I, you know, the, the lame walk, the blind see. And, like, we kind of skim, like, he said raise the dead casually. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but it was in the same list, yeah. right? And he and he did actively do that. And so, uh, as a matter of fact, I think we were even talking about it. And someone that had the question, like, "Oh, does he mean kind of just you know metaphorically like raising the sinful dead into a life?" I'm like, I don't know. Like what he quoted <laughs> was a physical reality, and then he proved and demonstrated that very physical reality. And so, like, maybe I'm like blasé around the things that because I said. Uh, um, the Holy Spirit is meeting the bar of which I was willing to believe. I'm actually I'm willing to believe all kinds of things, but like it's normal for me to see God hold together marriages. That's I find that normal because I and I expect it. Um, are there are there things of which I just um, uh, I believe are true, but don't expect to see as true? Um, and if you can, and if I can ask, if I'm praying about tearing those things down. Uh, Lord, I, I'm help me to be be willing to be surprised. Yeah, mm. if you think about it, if you like, if 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 you you're in a room and you got the shades drawn and the door closed and you turn the light on, you're like the light has completely filled this room, right? And you're like it's done a compl- its job. It has filled the room as designed. This is amazing. But if you were to if you were to open the shade, that light would spill out the window. If you were to open the door, the light from the room would spill out into the hallway, mm-hmm. right? So like it has the ability to do more. Like all you wanted it to do was fill the room and it did do that. And you were blown away and amazed by it. But like, if you were willing to 
open a door or open a window, you'd watch this light like go further than you thought it would. It's not, it's not like it's not like the bedroom light knows that it only belongs in the bedroom, right? The light just goes where the light goes. Did you steal that from somewhere? No. Because that's pretty good. <laughs> that's like a really cool picture to think about. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I, I don't mean, off it, like it's so good. I thought you may have heisted it. <laughs> put it that way. I'm slightly offended, but I think we're gonna we're gonna stick with it. <laughs> that can't be from you. I've often said something and go. I've had to have heard that somewhere. There's no way. Uh, you're listening to live from the path. I don't know, Dan. Any other um, takeaways or things to share from uh, Zimbabwe? Oh, I, I I don't know. I could probably talk forever, but it, it's just it's just a cool experience. I I think everybody should plan something that 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 uh, interrupts their schedule mm-hmm. and and has some urgency to it. You know, because we're there. Like okay, we're there for two weeks. It's, it's an urgent. You know, yeah. if we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it now. You know, and, and you don't have to go to Africa to do that though. You could go anywhere. Yeah, and uh, I think it's just healthy. It feeds my soul personally. Yeah, I think that's true. And I actually, I think you start to appreciate or see opportunity in your local context differently mm-hmm. when you start to see people with fresh eyes. And like sometimes it takes shifting your environment and uh, the people you're around to get fresh eyes and then bring them back. Yeah. Okay. You're listening live from the path. Hey, um, if you maybe you've had similar experiences, like either you've done some um, uh, mission trip work or just had situations where you. Um, well, one, you know, if you were a part of people seeing Jesus with fresh eyes, um, that was different than maybe what your everyday context is. Um, we'd love to hear some, you know, any stories you have to share or anything kind of around those lines. You can get a hold of us on the Live from the Path. Bob Eisler, complaint line. It's 515-517-0085. You can call or text uh, Live from the Path, complaint line, 515-517-0085. And we'd love to, uh, we'd love to hear your stories so that we can be uh, mutually encouraged and, and pray about them. and. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Big big the big question. What the heck's going on in the Middle East? The Israel? whole the whole of the Middle East. The ben. whole thing. I want all the conflicts named and <laughs> cataloged from ten AD over. Oh okay. That okay. It's gonna be it's gonna be a bit tricky. And so I, I will again to, to to like it is a very complicated um history and convergence of things going on in Israel and Palestine. And so my my caution here is again like certainly there's there's scads of people that are way more intelligent in these areas than I am. But I'm going to tell you what from what I understand some of the things in which we got to be cautious about, I think as this conflict goes on. Um and so key things to know like one like you you've got some the, a convergence of tussles so you've got uh, a whole a holy land ish uh, type of area, like at least in the vicinity. Like and the, the Israel that you hear about on the news or like that's been reported, it's the same Israel from the Bible. It contains that land. Yes, it is not the whole thing. Okay. Um, and like that, that is one of the key part of the conflicts is that like so Israel as a state, as a nation state, has not existed since the folks were exiled, right? So like. Once so Babylon, one, you mean? Well, yeah. So Assyria first, and then Babylon, and then p- bit, bits and pieces are, are chopped up. They they get they return from exile, and like this is the Ezra Nehemiah age. You're probably 500 BC or so, but it's not the whole. It's not the the promised land that Abraham is given. Okay. okay. Um. But so you know, it's itself Israel has not had a state, and so that does not happen. It's, it's in, until the 40s. So after World War II. Um, and I, I will say that the, some of the major conflicts that we're running into in the world now, so like 
um, parts of the UK, the, the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Like this is a, these are land questions. These are these are places where after wars, World War One, World War Two, people tried to redraw the map. And anytime you re- redraw the map, like it's not like you're walking the land trying to ask, like, do you feel like you're a Palestinian? Do you feel like you're a Ukrainian? Like they just drew lines, and so. People where cultures were different or resources were uh, – they tend to do it along like either natural boundaries or tried to split resources and stuff. But like it, it just it, – it wasn't super thoughtful. You, people ended up on the other side of the line. You, you, were a, uh, you were a Palestinian one day and then the next day you live on Israeli land. And, and the land you were on as a Palestinian uh, pre-1948 may have been, again, land that's been in your family forever. And so all of a sudden it's it's just gone, and so it, so it's a land battle to start. They're fighting over the Gaza Strip. Um, it's a there's a, a religious battle there. Hamas is a uh, is, is is a Muslim group. Uh, if I if I ask a dumb question, the Gaza Strip does it contain any important towns that we would know? The the spot the the spot that they're fighting over. Uh, I mean, I think Joppa's in there. Okay, like just t- 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 towns you would know. Yeah. Um. I mean, like shipping and stuff. Yeah, totally. Like it's uh, it's not like it's a good port, a good resource area. Yeah, whoever controls the port. And actually, I mean, that's that's part of the fight in Ukraine um, and uh, uh, Russia. And Russia, right? Part of their invasion is they wanted the port. Um. Anyway, so so they're fighting over the land. There's um, religious differences, but then there's also like historical fighting differences. Um, like when you're talking about Eastern. Uh, Eastern thought, Western thought is like quick to forgive. Like we stuff moves on, democracy, things change. Even in Western Europe, like you just kind of, kind of the, the times change and we forget old wounds. Uh, Eastern cultures don't tend to do that, and so like fighting that happened a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, like is remembered um, as part of kind of settling scores and remembering how like your ancestor treated our ancestors. And so like some of that is happening in this region as well. Um, there is, and this is probably, uh, it's worth talking through a little bit, but like, I think it's a misreading of, uh, of the scriptures to believe that this conflict is pre is like must happen. Like it's a biblical battle of the, uh, of the sons of, of Abraham. Um, this is, this is not, um, uh, Jacob and, and Ishmael, right? Like it's, it's not Israel versus Ishmael. It's not, that's not what it is. Um, I think that's, I think that misunderstands, I don't think we largely, we, we think of, of, of him being cast, cast out. I, that, that isn't really how the scriptures talk about that. Like it does, I mean, it does. Um, but it, it's not like a, um, not cast out like Cain. Like that's not what it is. Okay. And so I, I think it is a misunderstanding of, of, of scripture. Maybe we should t- tackle that next week and talk through that a little bit and see how we can understand that rightly. Um, I mean, it, it it does. We do think that that the Muslim faith comes out of that line. Um, but be honest with you, like Muslims and and uh, Christians and Jews all agree on the Old Testament God. I mean, for the most part, um, like we 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 kind of everything splits at Jesus and then Muhammad eventually. Um, I'm getting over my skis here, but like just in general, I I think there's a caution about. I, I maybe just to call it out straight. Don't walk into this situation and go, we're for Israel because Israel is God's people. I think we need to recognize that that's a nation state um, that was like it's a political state that was created in 1948. Um, I I think it is not correct to think of those folks as particularly holy, as the nation state as holy, that whatever they do in this um, in this effort is justified because God is with them. I just I I think that's a wrong way to think about it. Uh, Israelis are saved 
Jews are saved um, through Jesus, just like everybody else. And so where they don't love and follow Jesus, where the country is in fealty to Jesus, just like America is not, I'd be super cautious in believing that whatever they're doing is blessed in one way or the other, um, just because of their posturing as such. And I'm sure they're even posturing that way. And so I think that's, um, I think it's okay to stand um, with people in a conflict. I think there's a, this is a legit land problem that is very difficult to sort out because for large swaths of time, various people could lay claim. It's actually, it's similar, interestingly, to some of the discussions about um, like Native American land in the United States. Like how long, so let's say that God gave Israel this land, you know, 1000 BC, 800 BC. Um, Yes, the Assyrians and the Babylonians kind of fought and, and they were exiled and stuff, but like who really owns the land? Like, does it really belong? Because, if, frankly, if it goes back to Israel, then it should also go back to the Chaldeans. <laughs> yeah, because they had it first. <laughs> right, right. Like, um, so I, I think it's very difficult to look back and go, well, it has to be, it ultimately originated as Jewish land, so it should return to Israel. Israel took the land. Now, God told them to take the land. It's totally righteous. That but they it doesn't work on on the principle of finders keepers, right? Like, right. like whoever, like whatever John Caldean happened to walk on the land and goes, this will be the land of forevermore of the Caldeans. Right. Right. Like, I don't know if that's exactly how it works. No. And, th- and again, that same principle, uh, and we get touchy about this here in the United States, but that same principle is say, look, you need to give Oklahoma back. <laughs> like, we took Oklahoma from people who already lived here. Also Virginia, also everywhere else, <laughs> right? And so, like, uh, and and it's the same question. Well, that would really tickle some feathers, Ben. Is if you <laughs> basically said the principle that you're trying to use in Israel, you should apply to America, and then see how many states that we have to basically give back to the Native American community because they had it first. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's the same question when we talk about slavery reparations. Like, we're, we're struggling because you're like, how far back and who is really responsible? Is it like, is it really now to repair something that someone did? you know, multiple generations back. Well, again, Western societies have short memories. We're like, nah, let's get, let's give it up. I don't think so. Like let's it's uh, what's done is done. We can't really do much about this. And so like Western societies tend to want to just move on from it. Eastern cultures don't work that way, but now you have like Western nations carving up countries um, who are coming at it from very Eastern perspective after wars of which like major Western powers have intervened to otherwise settle disputes. And so like, Here's where I want to be super cautious is that like there's 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 evil in war. There is like there's 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 people who to accomplish their ends will do evil things. It is evil. Hamas is evil. It's evil to go into a place and start kidnapping uh, people who are otherwise innocent except for the country of which they live in uh, and rape and murder and kidnap. It's wrong. It's evil. I frankly find it evil, the indiscriminate nature of which Israel is bombing in yeah. the Gaza Strip. Like, there are, there are places where, like, they've given it, – like, it's not even a reasonable amount of time for people to get to evacuate. Predominantly, um, there's women and children in the area. Like, now, but here's the thing. Evil people in war will also use women and children as shields. This is not easy. Yeah. This, this is a very – this is not – this is a super gray area, but, like – I don't think I'd be cautious that there's um, there are there are angels and demons in here. Um, most people are not either one of them. They're they're normal people who are like. In fact, I read there's a really good book called Blood Brothers, and it was about a guy who he's a he was a Palestinian. It's like a Christian. I think he's a I don't know if he's a pastor. I don't want to say that, but like uh, he lived in Palestine, 
And uh, he, his family was there. That example I gave where, like, you own land one day and then Israel owned it the next, like, that happened to this guy. They had, like, hundreds of acres of land or something. It's been his grandpa's farm. They did grapes. Um, and uh, for a while, I think there was no particular impact, like, that the lines were redrawn. And then, like, um, the Israeli military came in and just, like, took over his farm. And he lost it. He lost his farm. And like his big deal, this is the reason I like the book is the guy goes, look, I, we, we were, it was, it was not, it was mistreated. Like our family was mistreated, but like also the Israelis own the land. Like at that point, the lines had been redrawn. There wasn't anything they could do. Mm-hmm. They said they actively had traded with like, uh, like Jewish people. Like there was not an animosity there among those folks until you got a country line uh, type of problem. And then he's actually spent the last, um, whatever, 60 years of his life like trying to figure out ways for Palestinian people and Israeli people to have peace, even if the governments of those countries will not. Um, that fe- frankly, that like his, his discussion felt right to me like that. The, the, the at the people level, um, I, it is in some ways a little bit simpler. I think the other things I, I just, it's super difficult to sort out. N- none of it's as easy as to think. I guess that's my biggest caution. It's just not near as easy as you think. You're like, well, can't someone just give up their land? They're betraying something, something that a heritage that matters to them, land that they believe that belongs to them, prime, you know, ability to control, you know, their shame associated with just turning it over. Yes, totally. To say, because like um, over time, you know, uh, after the, the land gets drawn up for Israel, Israelis moved in there. And now what? Like those people might have lived there for 30 years. Maybe it's not 500 years, but like they got families and jobs and like now, like now displacing people on either side of this thing is is rough um both sides frankly have, have committed in, in, in forms of atrocities and so they feel like how could we just let this go um it's why you have radicalized leaders um especially on the palestinian side like with hamas Not like I mean, there's good chunks of palestine that are muslim they don't want a like an autocratic rule that this is the reason why iran backs hamas like whatever it's it's just it's complicated and so like major major cautions one um, I, just because Israel is involved, uh, the ground itself is is not uh, does not um, it doesn't mean that just because it's called Israel that the actions that that nation state takes are otherwise bestowed by God and that He is approves of them. I think that's not you got to let that go. I, I, that's that's not right. Like I said, like they they get to, they get to forever with Jesus the same way everybody else does, and that's belief in Jesus. Modern Jews do not believe in Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he is the, like the son of the living God, that he's the Christ. They, like, they're they not baptized followers of Jesus. And so there's nothing about the the city, the nation state that they are in that makes it holy to bomb other people just because they're in that part of the world. And so pray for them, doggone it. I mean, and like they are getting attacked. There are, is terrorism that's against the nation of Israel. And that's wrong. Uh, it is wrong. It is wrong. And I like I, if you think politically, democracy is a force for good. Israel's a bastion of that, and there's a reason the United States has supported that. But you got to be careful. You just don't throw all the things together in a blender. Like you've got to keep some of your religious convictions in uh, not separate from how you think, but don't. But be cautious about what that means for the political backing of Israel is not the same thing as the theological basis that Israel is in and of itself awesome. Also recognize that there are there are innocent people involved in all these places. Like vast majority of people on both sides are not throwing bombs around. Vast majority of people just want to get up, raise their kids, eat their grapes, you know, buy their groceries, and and live to to do it again another day. And so, like 
a lot of this stuff is beyond the average people. And so if you if you think of enemy and you have broad groups of people in your mind, that's wrong. Okay, I'm gonna. This is gonna be offensive, and it's gonna be. I just want. It's gonna sound real simple and short sighted, and so I just need you to speak to it as it not really being my own opinion. Okay, but when when God told Israel to invade somebody mm-hmm. or to participate in a war and God was with them, they won handily. Yeah. Like with less people than they planned on taking most of the time. Mm-hmm. So like it should almost instantly, if this is your bent, it should discredit the thought almost immediately that it's a struggle for the people of God, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. viewing Israel as, as, as being powered by, by Yahweh, then it appears that Yahweh is struggling against the Palestinians. And that seems to be an er- like an error in thought, right? Like, I don't know how you would be able to meld those two things together. If you're like the nation of Israel, if they, whatever they're doing is correct because Yahweh is with them. Well, I know what it looks like when Yahweh is with them in the Old Testament and they beat people that if God says, go get to Chaldean's land, they get to Chaldean's land and it happens. Sometimes they just show up with trumpets and people believe. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 is that too rudimentary of yes, a thought? It is, because otherwise, like you would think of, um, you'd be able to make that case for any situation in which the people of God are otherwise not succeeding in their worldly aims. And there's plenty of people who are, you know, but they would be, But they weren't worldly aims, they were God's aims. Like he said, do this thing. Oh, yeah, but like, um, there, I think there are some people who would even frame this, that this is more of a religious war than a political one. I don't think that's right. Actually, uh, I think it. I think it uh, emotionalizes some of the other things. But I guess that was true. That was trying to fishnet like that type of thought, where you're like, where like, because I've I've read a couple articles where people are like, hey man, listen to it's Israel, right? And and this is this is God reclaiming his whatever. I'm like, oh man, I've seen God win things. This it doesn't look like this. Yeah. Right. It doesn't look. It didn't look like the way this is going. And, well, and a lot of the a lot of this is baked into. Also, depending where your end times theology is, like we tend to think about, um, again, like there's a belief, the reinstitution of the temple. Well, what is it going to be? It's going to be in Jerusalem. Then does it matter who owns the land or who runs the land around there? Of course it does. Right. Um, and so or the, the um, uh, this notion of a remnant throughout Scripture um, and kind of a special uh, dispensation or dealing with the Jewish people um Again, I, I I would say it's not a right reading of Revelation, and like my caution is that when you take that and start applying it to world political things, like you you actually start stop seeing the situation. Well, it's oh, Jesus cheats. God Yahweh does too, and so like you say, well, if 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 God says it's justified, well then anything is okay. And so if you believe that like you're basically helping God pull together this end times business by making sure like protecting. Israel as a nation state and the various things that are around there because you're helping to bring a pot a Jewish homeland uh, and uh, dealing positively with this remnant then uh, then anything is justifiable which is to, which the Muslim faith has sex of that as well oh sure which is how they end up doing most of the things that we gets reported uh, yes yes and, and, to, and like this this is where this gets complicated of course right because like I mean there's there's <laughs> much terrorism has been dealt upon the world by radical Islam it just has like a, there's a their part of their belief structure or like sex of it for sure um, has a, has allowed some of these things to perpetrate. I mean, this gets into the complications of other types where you're like, um, does do, did Osama bin Laden represent the countries that he was hiding out in? And and to what extent did it make sense to take action against them? The war on terror is difficult. 
because people <laughs> they they set up in a country and you're like is the whole country culpable or is it the dudes who were starting the 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 problems or, or like they were just better at it at starting problems and the rest of the country might have wanted in I, who you know it stuff is so difficult to sort out um and so like it's easy to armchair quarterback it's easy to what to be a pundit on the on the talk shows talking about this stuff it's easy to read an article and think that you just know all the stuff that that's actually i think one of the benefits of of not deep diving too much into some of the history here is that like like everything has a, has a has a skew to it because trying to get you to sympathize like i but a slam dunk you can sympathize with people slam dunk you can just like you can pray into blindness you can pray into war and say look god there needs to be peace in here and like yeah, it's just think of how much blood is shed over a over a boundary line. But like when people, there's a commitment there that says we're fighting over something that matters. We're fighting over again. We're fighting over a religious belief. We're fighting over um something. My my family land. We're fighting over play. We're trying for retribution and justice where people have been aggrieved on either side. Like it's the rawest of human emotions. And like it's it it asks so much to walk away from those things and say I pursue peace instead. Jesus calls us to that thing to give up the hardest of our retributions to pursue that peace. And so like if Jesus is not in this thing, it will not resolve because there's plenty of human earthly ammo to keep that fight up for centuries. Yeah, totally. And there's parts of uh, oh Ireland that are still that are doing the exact same thing. Yes, right. And there's other wars inside the Middle East that are still running the same. There's parts of Ethiopia that are in the same, same the problems. exact same problem. Right. Yep. Same problems. And like. And so, I, again, just a big encouragement is just to be cautious. One, I want you to be mindful that what you feel is, is to be cautious about anything from Scripture that you have placed upon this situation. Uh, I would start with blessed are the peacemakers and go from there. Um, but if you're in the book of Revelation and you think, I think there's some relevance here, I want you to be cautious. I actually, I think there is, but not in the way that you think. <laughs> I, I, like, it, it, it does speak to these types of situations. Um, but not because there's a specific thing for Israel in there. I would again, I'd reiterate that uh, maybe again, maybe we'll tackle this next week or the week after. Um, don't be cautious that don't you you don't misread the the, the sending of Ishmael away. Um, I, I think you just need to be cautious with that. I, God did not just produce a, a forever enemy of His people with that. That that wasn't the intent of that. And so I just want to be cautious with that. And we'll div- maybe we'll dive into that. Um, but the whole thing, the whole thing probably needs your prayer. It does need your service. Like there's all kinds of like people who are trying to help in those situations. Doctors Without Borders is in there, places where the Red Cross, there's Christian organizations that are trying to feed and clothe the naked. Here's the thing. I don't care how people became naked or injured. The Christians got to be in on it. I don't care where they're from. I don't care what their belief system is. Again, the the, the even during the times of, again, I, I can't recommend highly uh more highly the rise of christianity by rodney stark but like you look around at people come to know jesus during the plague because agnostic of what their belief system was or that the christians could die to come help them they showed up and did it and many christians died so that other people would live the way jesus would have done it and they're not asking what they believe to start it off all right they get to meet jesus because they saw that he sent his own hands and feet to go do work in the world and so don't withhold prayers and mercy and benevolence to um, people because you don't like which side of a line that they're on. I, I just, that's the amount you can control. A lot of this stuff seems bigger than I could ever possibly try to sort out in my own mind, some of these things. But like the people stuff I know to be true. And we had that same conversation when we were talking about immigration. Like 
I, I think these are complicated. I think they're complicated things. Nations should secure themselves. People also need help. Um, and so like the people stuff, you can do border agnostic. Some of the other stuff, like you got to just record, like they're not super easy to sort out. But like, do I care whether they're on one side of the border or another if they need some sort of benevolence? No. Can we figure out how to do that in Mexico or some county in Texas that said it was fine? I don't know. Like, but start there. Start to th- do the things that you can do. Um, and then just be discerning and try to be wise about how you take in information and apply scripture to some of the other stuff. Okay. I think that helps. That's complicated. And people don't know what to do. And then they hear, like, especially uh, certain political circles, right? You're right. Both sides of our political divide will have support for Israel for separate reasons. And so people, well, you know, as soon as they're like, you know, Israel's in a conflict, um, not only politically are we like, well, how can we help? Like, as a as a community, we're like, yeah, well, Israel's right about this. And like, I mean, I've had people that I believe in, love in, and like, I don't blindly just put my support behind those guys either. You know, I'm like, what is it you're doing exactly? Yeah. And like, think of how hard it is to lead in a situation. Let's say just like, if you're a leader uh, on either side of this thing, like, and you're the person who goes, I'm willing to take the risk of peace. That's a heck of a risk, man, because it's never worked. Everybody that's tried to do it over there, it's not succeeded. And so, like, the thing that you risk by trying to 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 make peace where it has never succeeded is your is the safety of your people, is the credibility of your government, is your ability to defend yourself should these people not be trustworthy. Peace is difficult. It is super hard, especially when you've got all that stuff human big. In. So, like, do I understand why, for example, Israel's reacting the way they do? I get it. From a human level, I totally get it. I did it. Like, I can't, as a, as a Christian, there's, there's parts of it I just cannot, I'm not on board with. But, like, do I get it? And regardless of what their faith is, do I understand Palestinian angst? Do I understand the radicalization of, of Palestinians into, like, groups like Hamas who go, look, we were, we were ignored. Some, some stuffed shirt white dude came in and helped set boundaries. Thanks, Woodrow. Like, or whatever, we're post-World War II, and, like, my family land is gone. Like, what am I supposed to think about that? Oh, great. I'm glad there's world peace. Like, all politics and troubles are local, man. And so I, I guess have some – just try to walk a mile in someone's moccasins before you go nuts. Um, I, I don't know. I just be – it's a discernment. I, I don't even know. I could be I'm, – I'm okay that I, if I have the wrong view of half of these things. I, I'd be okay to, to, to learn my lessons differently. But, like, I know that whatever it is starts with humility. It starts with loving people. It starts with trusting Jesus. And, and it's much harder work to make peace than it is to pick sides. Um, and, and, and I think we need to be involved in the hard work of that. All right, you ready? Yep. Dear Life from the Path, a very good friend and neighbor sold a Taylor Swift ticket to my 15-year-old daughter for $900. Oh, man. Where did a 15-year-old girl get 900 bucks? Wow. I should mention... My daughter would have given her right arm for the chance to go to the show. The original ticket was purchased for 300 bucks, including fees. Initially, my friend wanted to sell it for 1000 but she offered a quotes discount because my daughter's 16th birthday was coming up. <laughs> I can appreciate the value of the hottest ticket in town and that it comes with an inflated price tag. However, from my point of view, it was merely a transaction meant for my friend to make a handsome profit off my kid. Yeah, I'm extremely disappointed at the price gouging, and now I think of the woman differently. I have been avoiding her because she will likely become defensive. Am I wrong in thinking her actions were not that good of a friend after all? No, I mean, she does seem like she kind of, she may suck as a person. 
Yeah. Now, I mean, it's now, not. Now, hold, hold on a minute. Yeah. That ticket was worth $1,000. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I think um, if you, the, the question is about the kid. How old was the kid? 16? 15. Oh, 15? Yeah. I, I think that is, I, I would have no problems at all if she sold that to an adult for 900 bucks. 1000 1200 whatever the adult's willing to pay, I don't care. That seems totally reasonable because that's, that's an adult transaction. It does feel like you may be taking advantage of a 15-year-old who may not, like, is not thinking about the value of money. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Be, like, let's say the neighbor totally bought that ticket completely to resell it. That was their whole gig. They're yeah. like, I'll buy a Swifty ticket for 300 and I'll turn around and sell it for a grand. This would be sweet. I'm for it. And, and all of a sudden, here comes this mom who's like, hey, my daughter really wants to go to that concert. I saw you had that ticket for sale for a thousand bucks. You're like, ah, oh, man. I mean, I guess I, I could probably sell it to you for 900. They're like, yeah, deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay with that. So, but you're saying the fact that the kid asked? Yeah. If, what if, kind if, of kid's got 900 bucks? I don't know. I'm suspicious of that, Pete. But like, <laughs> and like, I mean, it, it's just a lesson for the kid. But like, as an adult, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. If it was that hot of a ticket and you could have sold it to someone else for $900 or $1,000 or at least at, like checked in. If this is your neighbor, hey, okay, I wouldn't do it to one of your kids. Like I wouldn't approach any one of your kids and know that like even if it was justified, if I thought it was a little bit outrageous, like like especially Mike, you've got underage children. I would go, hey, man, your daughter said she'd pay 900 bucks for this, you know. What do you think? It's her 900. <laughs> now, if you said yes, that's fine. Then again, I don't care. I, I, I don't think it's, it's not practical. From a practical level, the transaction itself isn't wrong. But from a relational level, I think it's skeezy. I, here's the thing. I guess what I'm getting at is, is it doesn't matter what the woman paid for the ticket originally. No. That doesn't matter. I don't care about the that. The ticket's worth 1000 bucks. Sure. They gave the ticket at a $100 discount. That seems generous. I mean, she's saying that. I mean, right? I, I, the she's probably just saying that to get rid of it, or she could be saying it to get rid of it. Like those tickets it, were going for three grand a pop in Kansas City, not like a month ago. Well, maybe not that particular seat. Well, I yes, that was the cheapest one. Oh, I'm telling you, the tickets to the Swifty show is outrageous. So I, I guess for what I'm saying is the concert was probably in Bentonville. Stuff goes for a little bit less. Let's say it's in Bentonville. Okay, that would explain the thousand dollar price tag. Yeah. At the end of the day. If I own a 2022 Jeep Cherokee yeah. and I bought it for 500 bucks, that car's still worth 15 grand. And I sold it to somebody for 12, they still got a heck of a deal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, I don't have a problem with the price tag at all. I have a problem with the age of the person they sold it to. Why aren't you mad at their parents for letting them spend 900 bucks on a Swifty ticket? Well, I, I don't know did, did they let them or did they find out about it later? Oh, it doesn't say anything about that. Yeah, I, like I guess that what I the the story I made up in my head was they this the the fifteen year old is like hears about it and goes hey I'll buy that off you and the guy goes yeah I'll, I'll get or the lady says I'll sell it to you for uh, well knock a hundred bucks off I'll sell it to you for nine hundred she also made up the thousand uh, and then the kid bought it well like, I, I might at least go hey do you want do you want to check with your parents or something for fifteen year old what kind of fifteen year old one has nine hundred dollars. That's not even like legit. You can work more than four or five hours a week of it's, age. It's the Two forgiven. Gives out the 900 bucks without their parents knowing at all. Yeah. What kind of household could see $900 leave the door? Doesn't matter which one of my family members had it. And I go, what? Yeah. I, I, I don't think the story you're spinning don't sound right to me. The story, I, the story that seems more accurate to me is that 
Her daughter really wanted to go. The neighbor was planning on making money off this ticket in the first place. Never intended to go to the show. That's fine. And then gave it to the kid as a discount because of the birthday was coming. Yeah, I, again, I, I don't have a problem with the Enterprise at all. Uh, I don't. They could have sold for two grand. You said care. they were a bad person. No, I said that. I said how they went about it was skeezy because of the, the age of the kid. And I stand by that. Otherwise, otherwise, I don't care that you put this kid at seventeen or eighteen. I don't care at all. This is, I don't care about it. What if the parents gave her the nine hundred bucks? Well, then what are they complaining about? Uh, exactly. This yeah. is. I feel like it's the 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 parent of the kid is is in the wrong. That's where I'm at. If the parent gave him the $900, then there's nothing wrong with the neighbor. The neighbor didn't do anything. Unless that kid is slinging dope, but that's a lot of money for a 15-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. Dan. Yeah, I think, see, I have trouble with the whole Taylor Swift phenomenon anyway. Dan, that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) I know. So so it's hard, it's even more hard for me to think that that's just an inflated amount. I can't believe anybody would, would spend that kind of money on a concert. Uh, but I do think he took advantage of, of this, this young girl. Okay. What if it was a car? Go back to my Jeep example. He's the, the neighbor's selling a car for 15 K and then the kid says, I really want that car. I could give you a 14. And the guy's like, no problem. Done. Even if he paid 500 bucks for it. Or he got it in, and it was inherited to him from his uncle. Yeah. He didn't pay a dime. I for mean, if it is, it's the true legitimate value. You're, you're not. That's what the tickets were. Uh, man, they were going for that, Dan. I get it. I know. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. I just have trouble anybody spending that kind of money on a concert, but uh, I can't get past that. Well, and what's what's the question? The question was: Am I wrong in thinking her actions were not that of a good friend at all? Like, does a good friend automatically have to give you? tickets at the price they paid for them. Otherwise, they're not a good friend. Yeah, I mean, no, no. She's just being a normal person. Yeah, not not being a great friend, not being a terrible person either. Just, just, it's just commerce. If they, if they approach the neighbor asking to buy the ticket, that's different than the neighbor going to them and saying, hey, buy this ticket. I'll give it to you for 900 bucks. But what, what if the family's like, hey, they've got Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, let's go see if they're willing to sell it to us. And the guy's like, "Yeah, I could give it to you for a hundred bucks off, even because we're neighbors." Yeah, I don't like I said, I don't have any problem with that at all. Okay, so but you're yeah. reading into the other thing. No, I'm not. They're they're 15. It's that the, the way that the the way that the setup was was that the 15 year old said, "I'd like to buy that ticket from you," and they sold it to a 15 year old for nine hundred dollars. If the adult was if the parent was involved in any way, I have no problems with this. The pa- they get the ability to discern the value. If you think it's worth nine hundred bucks, then pay nine hundred bucks. I don't care. But like the fact, if I were to think of just think of my whatever, I got a I got a seventeen year old daughter. She's got friends that are fifteen, sixteen years old. If I thought I, if uh, it's perfectly okay if I wanted to make a buck on a, some Taylor Swift tickets, but if I sold it to my friend's son. For nine hundred dollars, when I knew that, like it's, like it's very possible that they wouldn't approve of this, but I did it anyway. That's wrong. Yeah, but you, you read all that into it. That doesn't exist. That's not even in there. The, I don't know why this woman. Well, the question is: is why is the woman acting like the the friend was or the neighbor was skeezy? Because she wanted the the, the ticket at a deeper discount. She wanted her to sell it to her for the three hundo she had in she it. She didn't say that. Yeah, that's what I see. Oh, you okay? <laughs> you read, yeah. So, okay. I, I no, I don't think th- I, I think the price of it doesn't matter to me. The age of the kid did. That's what matters to me. I think the ladies I think the lady is skeezy with the daughter. I think she thought if you bought it for three hundred, you should have sold it to me for like four hundred. 
But the fact that you sold it to him for 900 is insulting. Didn't sell it to her. You probably said it to the kid. Okay. She's saying it, but like a 15 year old kid don't have $900, Ben. That's what you're saying, but I, maybe they do. Maybe they get, they saved up their, uh, their lunch money. No, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You don't know any 15 year old kid with 900 bucks. Name me one. Give me the name. First name. Everett. Well, okay. Everett. He's not might, even 15. Everett might have 900 bucks. <laughs> He wouldn't be so silly to spit it on Taylor Swift tickets, so... <laughs> okay, that's true. All right. Segular set. The question was, am I wrong in thinking her actions were not that of a good friend after all? Okay. Segular says, because your neighbor sold the ticket to your daughter at three times what she paid for it, I would have to agree. She acted more like a ticket broker than a good friend. I see no reason why you should cut her off completely, but now you know she's a shark when it comes to business, so keep your eyes open. On the upside, your daughter got to live her dream that night. And many of the fans who saw Taylor Swift in action have said it was the best show of their lives. No, I disagree with that completely. What she paid for is none of your business. She sold it to you at a discount, and now you're upset. It's not what her complaint was. Her complaint was about the kid. Yeah. I, I, whatever. Yeah. Her story ain't adding up, Ben. 900 bucks, 15-year-old. And the parent had no idea that it was even happening. You're acting like it was some kind of back alley gold bar trade. I know. And it was I, not. No, I think the neighbor was probably talking to the 15-year-old, just like as neighbors do, and was talking about having Taylor Swift tickets. And the kid goes, hey, man, I'd really love to go. And he goes, look, I'll sell it to you for 900 bucks. Okay. A neighbor and good friend does not take $900 from a 15-year-old next door without even involving the parent. That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's what I'm saying. The parent was involved, and she approved of it, and now she's mad because she thought she overpaid for the ticket. No, I'm just saying they didn't involve the parent. Yeah, they definitely did. That's the situation I've been presented with. Okay, that's wrong. Yeah. You're not even saying it right. Yeah. Okay, next one. Uh, no, I don't care about that. No, I don't care about that. No. Maybe. No. Yes. Dear life from the path. Oh, no. My wife and I are raising our two daughters, six and seven, alongside my sister and her son, ten. My sister and her baby daddy separated before the child's birth because he was physically and emotionally abusive. However, the law allows him to still be in the boy's life. I love my sister and my nephew, which is why we are raising our families as a village. The problem is we are seeing similar characteristics in my nephew's behavior toward our daughters. He's manipulative and a little, quotes, overly familiar toward my eldest daughter. She looks up to him, and he uses it to get her to do what he wants. Now my seven-year-old is emotionally abusing and ostracizing my six-year-old. I'm torn because my gut tells me to move and get my girls away from my nephew, but he, too, is a child, and I want to continue to support him so he can grow into a decent man. However, I am not willing to sacrifice my girls for his potential. What to do? I need some more details around the terms abuse. Like when you're saying that they're emotionally abusive, Phys- did you say physically abusive too? No, not the not the not the uh, baby daddy. I mean the ten year old. No, it just says that uh, they're seeing similar characteristics in the ten year old, and he's manipulative, uh, and he's a little overly familiar toward the oldest girl. But now the oldest girl is starting to emotionally abuse the six year old, which I got to be real honest with you, that happens at my house anyway. Yeah, it's like too- what do they mean? Like you're you're poopy pants, like. Is that abusive? Like, I, I, that's where I get tied up on, like, what do we mean? Because, like, um, uh, I, here's the thing. I was actually talking to, talking to someone recently and uh, about their, about their uh, kid has got a potty mouth. <laughs> Kids, like, I don't know, three, three or four or something using F-bombs and stuff. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, look, that kid doesn't have a potty mouth. It has a mirror mouth. That kid doesn't know. 
has no idea the words. Like you're just saying words that they things that they they've heard other people say. It's not like it's going. Oh, I got something dirty to say, and I'm gonna say it. Yeah. They're just saying things that they've seen. And so, like, um, I mean, I kind of wonder how many, how many years the ten year old, uh, how long the, the the dad's been out of the, his life. But like, you know, he's gonna if if he saw things that otherwise demonstrated bad behavior, he's gonna carry some of that with him. It's gonna take some time to sh- to shake out of it. Um, I think it does matter. Um, this is where the details are super important. Like, I mean, if he's, when you say too familiar, like, what do you mean? Yeah. I kind of got stuck on that too. Like he's huggy. Cause some people are huggy. He knows the birthday. Uh, Yeah. Like, but, but like, if you're saying he's inappropriately touching your kids, well then that's a line you can't stand. Which I don't think that's what she's saying. Otherwise she would have said that. Well, that's, I hope so. Right. So like, I, but I think you do have to be careful that you don't read the sins of the father onto some of the actions of the son. Because, like, you could be out of caution for your own kids. I totally get it. But you go, oh, I see where we're going here. And you start to get worried about that. And, like, I understand that. But, like, you've got to deal with – you got to deal with the kid in the situation, like, super objectively. Yeah, I think that, like, as parents, especially as your kids start to get older, the 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 weight of you raising these kids starts to feel very real to you, right? If they start acting in a certain way, you're like – like, it depends on what your gut is, right? My gut is to go, I failed these children. I've got to double down. I will get more involved, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've allowed them to think something's true that is not. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and we will be having a conversation. And other people will go, well, it's got to be the people influencing them around them, right? Because my kids wouldn't act like that. They're being raised correctly, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a bit of uh, either uh, humility involved or arrogance involved that that usually decides which side of that coin that you land on. And so uh, if I think that I'm seeing the forest for the trees correctly, I ain't saying that the nephew's a heart of gold and doesn't have some correction maybe. But like if you're raising a village, why don't you focus on the raising part, right? If your seven-year-old is ostracizing your six-year-old, sounds like both them kids belong to you to me. And so like you probably better start dealing with them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I done even let's say the 10-year-old is uh is what's if we're going to call emotionally abusive at 7, like calling them names, stealing their toys, right? Telling them they're stupid, tell them I don't want to play with you no more, whatever. We'll call it that, right? So like if that's true, then you put that kid in timeout and then you put the other kid in timeout for doing the exact same thing. Like discipline your kids, teach them the difference between what is right and what is not. I don't care where they got their behavior from. I know that like the first time your kid acts like a jerk, you automatically like the very first time when they're about five, six, seven, you're like, this kid's a jerk. <laughs> and you're like, I know whose fault this is. This is mine. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to we're going to parent. We're get, like you don't go. I wonder what they saw on Caillou that was causing this. Or I think I heard Bluey giving the sass to one of his his cartoon buddies. And it's got to be the TV. It doesn't like they're, they're basically you have to teach kids how to deal with outside influences if you believe that's the problem. But mostly, we're just broken, sinful people. And we try out dirty, nasty behavior to see if it sticks. And if it gets us what we want as a kid, we keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And then as an adult, we have to get corrected where people go, ain't no one going to put up with you acting this way. <laughs> you know, your job as a parent is to help ease the transition between a selfless, a selfish, self-centered child and an adult that sacrifices for others around them, yeah. right? And so, like, that's a long road. It takes about 16, 17, 18 years before they've even headed in the right direction. And so I, I think if I'm if I'm picking up what you're putting down, I think your kid started acting like a jerk, and you're looking for the reason. And, and you might be over-focusing on this poor kid who ain't got no dad 
and he's struggling to figure out who he is anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like the first, uh, the first, my first question, if someone goes, Hey, uh, my, my kid is, my kid's misbehaving or they're a jerk. We're like, okay, well, what do you, I mean, what are you doing about it? Like, uh, uh, people are going to pick stuff up. People's natural tendencies are going to go their own way. <laughs> like, you know, they're going to do what's right in their own eyes. The question is, what are you doing to otherwise shape and mold them? Um, and bailing, like, I don't, if you're not going to do anything about it now, um, separating isn't going to actually help much. Um, separating from the situation. Like, frankly, it's probably best to teach kids to learn within a situation how not to take on negative influences, how to protect themselves, how to say, hey, dude's not treating me right or whatever. And Yeah. I think there's, that, and it, this sounds like not wisdom, right? But, like, there is some benefit in in having your kids get exposed to things while they still live with you and while they're still underneath your roof. Like marijuana. Like pot just give it to them get them the hashish and let them roll say look i know you're all gonna bump heroin you just will do it in the basement like that's not stuff i'm talking about but like how to deal with people who want to influence you influence them in a way and and teach them how to navigate through who gets to speak into their life and who doesn't yeah you know actually i was thinking about something along those lines last week um my i have a my oldest daughter is driving and like she was, she was going to drive to a basketball practice and it was going to be, um, it's not even that late at night, but it's dark and it's in, uh, it's not the best part of town or whatever. And, uh, so, so we'll, we'll, I'll ride with her. Uh, I'm still going to have her drive, but I'll, I'll ride with her just to make sure everything goes okay. Now the reality is, is that like, I can't do anything. Like if she decides she's going to drive like, like a, like a wagon and fall off the bridge or run into another car, like, if I saw trouble on the road, there's very little I could reasonably do. I couldn't jump over and take over the wheel. We're going, you know, heading down the interstate. It just wasn't going to happen. But there's something about being there with them, even as, as she's going through something that's new and different. Even if the responsibility pretty much falls completely on her shoulders, you're there. You're there to help provide reassurance. You're there to provide, like, how do you take in a situation that they may not have expected, even if they are the ones who have to walk through it? And so... Like, uh, yeah, the encouragement there is, is that, um, I mean, there are some things that your kids are going to have to learn, um, but you can be there for it without otherwise doing it for them or protecting them completely away from it. Like just walk it with them, uh, but not for them. Yeah. And, and I suppose just to round that out, like if the, if you're just soft shooing the way that the kid's acting, right? Like if he's physically abusive or if he's, he's touching them inappropriately. Yeah. It's cut, it's cut in space. Like, yeah, you need to get your kid out of that right now. And that's not even a discussion to be had. Just stop it and yeah. get him out of there. And I w- don't even, but like, even if that were the case, like, you need to think, um, I want you to think graciously at this 10-year-old. There's, it's, it's mirror behavior, man. Like, they don't know how to function in the world. And so uh, you got to take proper precautions. Sometimes you separate people from society, <laughs> other people in society. But, like, especially at that age, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're reacting to the world that they've been presented. And the world that they were presented with just might kind of suck. And the parent, and it sounds like their dad's a real jack wagon. And uh, who knows if maybe your sister is just not doing a very good job of protecting that influence, especially if, if the dad was around for a long enough time uh, to, to put some ideas and stuff into the 10 year old's head. And so I think you can take action, but it doesn't mean you have to be super like um, overly uh, don't, you don't, don't hate the 10 year old. You're still praying for him. You're still, I'd still interact with their lives. Just don't bring your girls. Um, and still do your best to otherwise help that person succeed. It's just you're just taking steps for protection, um, but don't bail on them as a person. Okay. 
Secular says, your children must come before your sister's son. Because your older daughter is now modeling her cousin's misbehavior and acting out against her little sister, it's time to discourage that behavior and limit, if not sever, the contact she has with her cousin before it creates lasting damage. You cannot save everyone. It is your duty to protect your daughters from any negative influence. Uh, Yeah, I think I just disagree with that. Like, I think it's your duty to teach them how to deal with negative influence, unless you expect them to leave your house and then, like, like skipping, uh, you know, with a fruit basket, whistling down the road, and then be, like, totally taken aback by a rude people they meet in the world or people who want to influence. Like, if you leave them out there to be easily influenced, they will be, right? If you hide the things that exist, like, they'll go, they'll think they were lied to. And, like, the whole point is, like, you're trying to help them transition to a full-functioning adult who can take in influences and go, that's outer circle. Mm-hmm. I, only inner circle things get to get to point me in a direction or affect the way that I that I think right now. And inner circle things from our definition is you find things that point you to God. That's inner circle people, people that try to solve problems by saying this needs to get solved through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's inner circle stuff. Anybody who wants to change your worldview, you get to love them well, but they're outer circle. They don't get to speak into your life. And the way that you look at things, you can still love them and treat them well, but they don't get to speak to, to core things. And so, like, that's what you're trying to teach your kids before they leave your place. Dan, you've had people leave your place. Yes, I have. Dan, would you like to speak to this in any way? Because you've had people leave your place. <laughs> I'll have to admit I'm about seven hours ahead of everybody in Zimbabwe right now. I think I fell asleep. Okay, Dan went to bed. That's fine. Okay. You know what? Dan did, Dan did the same thing in parenting. Just said, you guys seem to have this handled. You guys up. are Take fine. Nap. Wake me up when you come back. <laughs> hey, you've been listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. We very much appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check out the old back catalog. We're releasing uh, older podcast episodes uh, every few weeks. And so you can go, uh, if you've exhausted the entire, I don't know, 160 episodes or whatever's out there, uh, you can go uh, start uh, hitting us back. And we've got plenty of room to go. I think I'm in uh, 2019 or 18, and we've been doing the show since 2010. So uh, the hits will likely uh, keep rolling both backwards and forwards. In the meantime, if you have any feedback for us on the show, get a hold of us on the Eisenhower Life in the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. Call or text 515-517-0085. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll uh, see what kind of show we can put together for next time. But in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>